Well, today we mark the return of an old friend, our pandemic pessimist, Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Vaughn, are you warming up? Yeah, warming up for a briefing this morning at 10 o'clock. They're going to be sending out a PowerPoint soon, so that usually means a lot of detail. And I think they have some explaining to do. Really? Yeah, we... uh, the Premier announced the big reopening, restart plan, uh, phase three, and we were told, yeah, okay, like, you know, when we restart, there's going to be some more cases, and, you know, we're ready for that. Well, I think the numbers are kind of discouraging at the moment, and I think there's some explaining to do. We, yesterday's release is interesting. Cases are on the rise, and there are some clues in the data as to where the problem is. Three main factors. The interior region is overwhelmingly uh, the source of most of the new cases. The unvaccinated, boo, hiss, are overwhelmingly the source of, of most of the new cases. And the age 20 to 39 cohort is the main place the new cases are coming from. So I think when we hear Dr. Ballum and Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix today, we're going to be looking for explanations from them. Uh, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I guess that is the big question. I mean, they've, they've beaten back kind of a surge before, right? I was thinking about Fraser Health was a hotbed for a long time. Yeah, you know, that, and that's, I think, a really good point. Uh, it's not like we've not here in British Columbia dealt with this challenge before. I mean, we had a second wave. Yeah, we underestimated it. We had a third wave. Yeah, we underestimated it. But we also dealt with them. So if we're headed to a fourth wave, and it's too soon to say that, I think one of the things they can talk about today is, okay, how did we beat back the really disturbing number of cases there were in Fraser Health and in Vancouver Coastal? And in some selected communities in British Columbia, remember the outbreak in Prince Rupert. So, yeah, I think they can talk to us about that today. I expect some of what we hear in the briefing today will be, here is how we're going to deal with it in the interior. Here's why we think it's a problem there. Um, I think, Simi, too, there will be questions today about uh, what you've been talking about this morning on your show, which is vaccine passports. Mm -hmm. Um, You know... There's there's a lot of rights talk out there about people's right to do this, that, and the other thing. There is less talk about um, the rights of the rest of us to be protected, um, about businesses not wanting to have to shut down again because they aren't uh, screening their customers and making sure they're vaccinated. I think it'd be interesting to see what the Prime Minister says this morning. I think, what, in less than an hour now, he's going to be talking about this. There's I think Canada is going to have to go the same direction as a lot of other countries are going already, which is I think we are headed for vaccine passports. Well, and it's not unusual. And this is the thing I think a lot of people forget is that you already have to show this if you yeah. want to travel to other countries sure. or just even like anything. There's, you already show people your proof of immunization. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's been used casually to point out that, you know, people have been putting up with no shoes, no shirt, no service uh, rules right. on businesses in the summertime. And, you know, there's all kinds of restrictions out there. Uh, you don't have a right to go to every single business and do whatever the hell you want. You don't have a right to go into restaurants or bars or anywhere else. Also, you know, I think we've seen from other countries already, which are ahead of us in this, that people who've ignored 
uh, or delayed or procrastinated on getting vaccinated, suddenly when self-interest kicks in, uh, they go, oh, gee, maybe I should do this. I think the pressure we're seeing on our national government now to deal with international restrictions on travel for people who've mixed vaccinations. I mean, we allowed mixing of vaccinations. We encouraged it. We did it here because at a time going back to when there was a significant shortage of vaccines and we're just making the best. We're trying to get as many people vaccinated as we could, right? But now the the government, by doing that, created a problem for people, for instance, who want to travel. We're already seeing heard from somebody the other day who said that he's got he's double Pfizered, but his wife is Pfizer and AstraZeneca. They're trying to book a cruise for next year and they can't do it because the cruise lines in the states are being guided by don't mix and match guidelines from US health authorities. So you know the national government is gonna have to deal with this. They they created the problem. I know why they created it, but going forward People are now saying, okay, Canada, what are you going to do about it? Right. Okay. So we'll wait to see what the prime minister says about that this morning. Also, we're going to touch on the issue of forestry here. There's so so much going on in this industry right now. The prices seem like a roller coaster ride. Uh, and the premier was even talking about it last week. Yeah, the premier said last week, you know, he has been pushing for value-added production here in British Columbia, which means investment in in new mills and dealing with mass timber, which, you know, would be used in construction. But we also need here in British Columbia to have new kinds of production facilities. And he said uh, the industry has made a lot of money off of high lumber prices, which there have been in place for the last two financial quarters, although they're coming down a bit now, uh, he says uh, the company should uh, put their profits, the company's based in BC, but plow them back into increased production here in British Columbia. I get the argument, but he said that on Wednesday. Interesting press release arrived uh, in my inbox on Monday from the governor of Louisiana, thanking a BC company Tolco, based in Vernon, for uh, $240 million investment. So Tolco is putting up half the money, and that's U.S. funds, in, with an American company in a sawmill in Louisiana. Hmm, that's not B.C. Uh, no, and this is Tolco's fourth investment in mills and production facilities in the American South in the last three years. So Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and... You know, there's a there's an RBC capital uh, analysis that came out last week that explains why British Columbia production costs are the highest in North America. So you're producing lumber here. When the prices are high, you can make money on it. But as soon as the prices start dropping, um, you're you can't make money here. And you, in the long run, you're going to see layoffs. Companies like Tolco, and it's not the only one, putting their money in the U.S. South because. Production costs are about half what they are here in British Columbia. There's a whole bunch of reasons for it. But at the end of the day, the companies are investing their profits where even if prices for lumber drop, they can make money. And look, it also gets them behind the tariff barriers that Americans keep putting up to softwood lumber from British Columbia. So there's more than one reason for it, but the end result is premier uh, they hear you. Uh, you want investment in the forest industry here in B.C., 
But a lot of companies are putting their money in the states because it's likely to be more profitable. I have a feeling this is going to be, you know, once we're moving out of the pandemic, this forestry issue is just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I think so. There are a lot of communities in British Columbia still very forest dependent. I got, I got an interesting note actually overnight from somebody in the industry who said there's another problem here in British Columbia, which is shortage of workers. Uh, there are lots of jobs posted out in the industry for uh, you know, high-skilled work in the forest industry, and you can't fill the spots. And the guy said, you know why? He said, young people not interested in the forest industry don't see it as the future, uh, don't see, even though these jobs are very well-paying and they're based in local communities and they have good benefits and pay because species industry is unionized and there's lots of reasons why we pay people well in the industry, and we should, uh, but when you put it all together, it's a little like what, You've been reporting on or restaurant industry, other sectors. Um, young British Columbians don't see the industry as their future, so they're you know taking their skills and their training and they're looking at other jobs. Well, who can blame them? They've probably grown up hearing that there's no future in forestry. Yeah, right. No, I know it's amazing. Uh, you know, of all the changes in my lifetime, and there have been a lot of them because I'm an old, old person. Uh, one of the biggest is the shift in our industry. Uh, in our in our industry, the, the news media reporting on the forest industry. It yeah. was it was the biggest story in terms of industrial development and jobs and resources and labor disputes in BC when I started a hundred years ago. Um, okay, fifty, and uh, <laughs> and now it's like. You know, really, uh, there's still yeah. a whole lot of communities in British Columbia in the north and the interior, where, and even here in the northern part of Vancouver Island, where yep. forestry is a big deal, but it's like it, we just don't focus on it the way we used to. We do not, and we probably should. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.